In today's episode of the Audacity Channel podcast, I want to talk to you about the importance of knowing Audacity fundamentals. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Mike Adams here with the Audacity Channel podcast. With Audacity's capabilities of using real-time stackable effects, I believe it's still important to know the fundamentals of Audacity. This is the stuff that I cut my teeth on in learning Audacity. I've been using Audacity for years, and I did a deep dive in Audacity when I first started to use it. I did that intentionally because I wanted to master this program. I wanted to understand the fundamentals of Audacity and what made it work. In saying that, I want to reemphasize the fact that I'm just an end user. I'm not a programmer. I probably know enough programming language to be really dangerous, and so I stay away from that. But I am an end user, like you are, of Audacity. And knowing the fundamentals of Audacity is imperative. It's imperative because it's those fundamentals that you fall back on that are going to save you a lot of headache in post-production especially. The current version of Audacity, which as of this recording is version 3.2.4, supports both VST2 and VST3 real-time stackable effects. So we're able now to use real-time effects within Audacity. I use those. Do you? As soon as those became available, I started using them. Because I like non-destructive editing. That's actually my preference. But every so often, depending on what I'm doing, I need to go back and use a plugin or use an effect on Audacity that's still destructive. And that isn't something that we should be afraid of or shy away from. We just need the confidence to know how to do it right. And so that's what I try and emphasize is how to do that right when you do have to fall back on it and do some sort of destructive editing within Audacity. So now that we can do things like add real-time stackable effects and trim our audio back instead of deleting big sections of it altogether, we have this amazing tool in Audacity now to be able to do both of those things. And Audacity is free. Not only is it free, but it's extremely simple to use once you've mastered the fundamentals. So what do I mean when I say the fundamentals of Audacity? Well, let me give you a quick rundown. I mean things like understanding how to navigate the Audacity user interface. When we download and install Audacity and start it up for the first time, it presents us with this user interface with a lot of stuff on it. And I don't know about you, but when I'm cruising around Facebook and the different groups that I'm in, there's a lot of misunderstanding about a lot of that user interface. It seems like a lot of people really don't know how to navigate it. They don't know how to get around. But that's a fundamental of Audacity, is knowing how to navigate that user interface, to know how to get around in it, and to know how to make it work for you. There's a lot of tools, a lot of editing tools, and a lot of effect tools on that user interface that you can put on your audio to make exceptional audio. But knowing how to do that is one of the Audacity fundamentals. Another fundamental that I think is important is knowing the file structure of Audacity. Way back in the olden days, Audacity had a different file format, a different file structure. And if you're still using an older version of Audacity, you might be in that old file structure. Do you remember that? Audacity used to save our project files in a .aup format. The file extension was a .aup. And along with that, there was a data folder. Do you remember that? The data folder was named the same as your project. And those two things had to always be together. The data folder contained all of the information about the project you had done. 
It contained all the information about the waveforms you had created. It contained all the information about the edits that you had made, about the effects that you had put on it. And if that old data file got separated from the .aup project file, you were in big trouble because you couldn't open that .aup file. Also, if that data file got renamed to something else, you were out of luck because you wouldn't be able to open your project. Also, if a file inside that folder became corrupt, you were up against the same obstacle. You couldn't open or reopen your project file. But that's all changed. And I don't remember exactly where it changed, but within the last two years or so, this has changed. Now when we open Audacity in the current version, let's just use the current version as an example, and we save our project off, it no longer creates a data folder. It now saves the project in a .aup3 file instead of an AUP. And I think that that took place in version 3.0.0, but I'm not real sure. It might have been in 3.0.1. I don't remember. But in one of those two versions, that changed. Now, here's the deal. You can't use an old version of Audacity prior to that change and open a project file in the new version. If you're running version 2.4.2, for example, which, by the way, I still have on my MacBook. I go back and use it for reference every once in a while. You can't open a new project file, a .aup3 file, with that program, with that version of Audacity. It won't open it. It doesn't recognize it. But the good news is, if you have projects saved off in that old format, the .aup format with the data folder associated with it, you can still open those in the new versions of Audacity. So if you're running version 3.2.4, which again is the current version that's out as of today, as of this recording, and you want to go open a project that you opened, say, in version 2.4.2, or that you created in version 2.4.2, you can do that. It'll open that file. It's backward compatible. You can open your old Audacity file, but when you save it off, it's going to save it in the new format of .aup3. And once you do save it off into that new format, you can delete that old, that old project file and that old data folder if you need to free up some disk space. So that's a good thing. These new versions of Audacity are backward compatible to that old file system. But the old file system isn't forward compatible to the new. That's an important fundamental to know, especially if most of your projects are still in that old file system. You can clean that up. You can save those in .aup3 and free up a lot of disk space if disk space is a, is a problem for you. Some other fundamentals might include how to get to different waveform views. You know, we can look at the linear view in Audacity, which I believe is the default view when you first open Audacity. But you can also look at the dB view, which actually gives you dB levels or dB values in the, uh, of, of your waveform. In addition to that, you can go into a spectrogram view if you want to view different frequencies of the audio that you have recorded. That's an important fundamental that's good to know and good to know how to do that. Doing things like solo and muting a track or collapsing a track or expanding a track is also an important fundamental to know because it helps you navigate Audacity. It helps you get around inside Audacity without taking up a lot of time. Did you know, too, that when you export a file from Audacity that the settings that you have in a track header in the track control panel go with that export? If I'm exporting a stereo file and I accidentally have the left-right slider one way or another, either forced left or forced right or forced somewhere other than zero, when I export my file, it's going to reflect that. 
If I'm exporting it as a stereo file, then that particular track is going to appear in whatever left and right channel I have selected in my track control panel when I exported it. Also, if I have a track muted and I don't realize that I have a track muted and I export my project, that track doesn't go with it. Why? Because it's muted. And so when I export it, that track is excluded from my export. And did you know too that you can set up Audacity to auto-fit your tracks to the screen? Every time I open Audacity, my entire project fits in my window. It fits in my screen. If I'm working with 10 tracks in Audacity, which has happened a few times as a podcaster, but not very often, but if I do open a file that's that large, I'm going to be able to see all of those tracks as soon as I open that project file because I've set my preferences to do so. Also, the length of the file, the length of the track, the length of the waveforms. When I open a project in Audacity, I see not only vertically all of my tracks, but I see horizontally all of my project from start to finish. As soon as I open a project, I know exactly how long it is because the entire project, both in length and in the number of tracks, fits in my screen. Another important fundamental is to know how to split, move, delete, join, and trim our audio or trim our tracks. These are important fundamentals to know how to do because as we manipulate audio within our Audacity project, we want to make it flow. And one of the ways that we make it flow and make it flow consistently is by knowing how to split, move, delete, and join audio and how to trim audio. And trimming audio is part of the non-destructive editing that we can now do in Audacity. As I mentioned earlier, we no longer have to delete large pieces of audio only to never be able to recover them again. We can simply split a track in two and then trim the audio edges back while retaining the original audio if we ever need to go back and get it. This is a good fundamental to know within Audacity. Another important fundamental that I see coming up in questions a lot has to do with sync lock tracks. If I have multiple guests on my podcast, which by the way, I've had as many as six separate guests or speakers in a previous podcast that I used to do, and knowing how to sync those tracks together was important because I wanted the conversation to flow. So I was able to sync those multiple tracks together so that when I made a change in one, the rest of them followed. And I never lost synchronization. There was nothing lost in the flow of the conversation as I was doing content editing. Because when I would edit out a piece of bad audio in one track, the other tracks were synced to it. And so they followed right along. And then did you know that you can use the label track to separate groups of sync lock tracks? So if I have track one, two, and three that I want to keep synced, but they don't need to be synced to track four, five, and six, I can stick a label track between those groups, enable sync lock tracks, and I have two groups of sync lock tracks. This is an important fundamental to know when we're doing post-production, and it's really easy to do in Audacity. Another important tool to be aware of that I think falls into the fundamentals of Audacity is the zero crossing tool. When I select a piece of audio, the first thing that I do is I press the letter Z. Z invokes the zero crossing tool. What that does is it ensures that the edges of my selection always hit on the zero line within my waveform. It moves the edges slightly to get to that zero or that quiet point within my waveform. And why does that matter? 
Well, it helps eliminate pops and crackles. If I'm deleting a piece of audio or silencing a piece of audio or doing anything else where I have a piece of audio selected and I press the Z key to invoke zero crossing, it puts the edges of my selection right on the zero point before I do anything. And so if I'm deleting a piece of audio that way, it ensures that I am minimizing my chances for pops and crackles. Another important fundamental to know is track automation within Audacity. Audacity has two ways to do track automation. It has, first of all, the auto duck effect, and then it has the envelope tool. Both of those tools are effective ways to adjust track volume at different spots within the track. Now I can also adjust the track volume overall by going back to that track control panel that we talked about earlier and adjusting the volume there, but that's adjusting the volume on the entire track. If I want to just take a selection of audio, a piece of the audio that I have in my track, and do something with the volume there or the loudness there, I can use the envelope tool to do that. If I have someone who's doing, say, a podcast intro over music, and I don't want the music to overpower that intro, I can use the auto duck effect. And what that does is it reduces the loudness level of the music while the speaker is speaking, and then automatically it puts it back where it was loudness-wise. So it ducks out the music while the person's speaking. That's a good piece of fundamental knowledge to know when you're editing and producing a podcast. And did you know, too, that you can create keyboard shortcuts within Audacity to save time? Keyboard shortcuts are a good way to eliminate having to click all over the place with a mouse. When I use keyboard shortcuts, it speeds up my post-processing time or my editing time considerably. And I can create keyboard shortcuts to fit my needs simply by going into the Preferences menu and making the change there. And another powerful fundamental tool within Audacity is macros. I can use macros to really speed up my editing. Macros are where I can automate tasks that I repeat often and let the computer do it while I sit there and watch it and enjoy not doing it. The CPU tends to be a lot faster than I am, so I can build a macro that performs tasks that I repeat, and then I can invoke that macro or those macros using a shortcut key that I've built. So by a simple keystroke, I can invoke an automatic macro that does things that used to take me five minutes to do. And in some instances, it does it in a matter of seconds. And that saves me a lot of time. So fundamentals can't be overstressed. We can't overemphasize the fundamentals of Audacity. Real-time effects are another extremely useful layer in Audacity that really brings Audacity, I believe, into the 21st century and puts it on par with other expensive DAWs. But that doesn't mean that we don't look at fundamentals, or that doesn't mean that we don't use fundamentals all the time. You use fundamentals all the time, but you probably don't give it a second thought, because that's what we're used to doing. That's what we're used to doing during content editing. We're utilizing all these fundamentals all the time, probably without even realizing it. And in this recent version of Audacity, where it supports the VST2 and VST3 real-time stackable effects, that's just another tool to use but not at the expense of knowing and understanding the fundamentals of Audacity. And I suppose this falls under fundamentals as well. You can't use a real-time stackable effect within Audacity unless you've enabled it through the plugin manager. Remember that? 
Just like always, we can go to the Effect drop-down menu or the Tools drop-down menu and invoke Plugin Manager, which is the first option at the top of the list. And once there, we can enable or disable a plugin. Well, if I'm using real-time effects, I still need to enable that in Plugin Manager. If you're trying to use a real-time effect that isn't showing up in your real-time effects window, go check Plugin Manager and make sure it's enabled. If it doesn't show up in Plugin Manager, you may not have it installed properly, keeping in mind that in this version of Audacity, it's only supporting VST2 and VST3 plugins. Other plugins, such as AUFX or VST, aren't supported yet as real-time stackable plugins, but that's coming soon. I know that's going to be in a future release of Audacity. I just don't know when. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, we're also going to be getting the ability to save our real-time stackable effects as a chain so that we don't have to keep adding them over and over again, but rather we can save them as a chain and then add them to our waveform as a chain. That isn't there yet, but it's on the way. So I think within the next year or so, Audacity is going to really be a serious competitor in the digital audio workstation field, because in my opinion, it's only going to get better. So as we start to wrap this up, let me ask you a question. Are you using real-time stackable effects in Audacity? And if so, which ones are you using? There's a link to a contact form in the description of this episode. And you can drop me a line anytime using that link. But I would like to know what real-time effects that you're using, which ones you've had success with, and if you've had a problem with any of them. And one last thing as well before I let you go. Did you know that the manual that used to be included with Audacity is no longer included with Audacity? In previous versions of Audacity, when you installed the program, the manual came with it. Now you have to view the manual online which I suppose isn't a big deal. If we go to the help drop-down window, there's a selection there for the manual, but it's going to take you online. Audacity no longer comes with a local version of the manual. And I think that's a good thing because there's a lot of changes going on with Audacity right now. We're kind of getting rapid fire versions of it released as things are improved in it. And having that online version of the manual there is going to reflect the latest changes. So I no longer have to worry about a stale version of the manual on my hard drive. Hey, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Audacity Channel podcast. Did you know that Isotope RX-10 is having a sale right now? I'm not associated with Isotope at all. They're not paying me to say this. But I do use RX-10 standard, and it's on sale right now for 50% off. And there's other things there on sale at Isotope as well. I will put a link to Isotope in the description of this episode in case you want to go check that out. So that's all I have for you. Until next time, y'all take care.